0: Oh, what a night
1: February I'm Randy Kure thank you for the download this is what's up the sports podcast as always my thanks to the Abatsy project for his amazing track oh what a night uh round table has assembled a couple of familiar uh names uh has joined me but the first time in this combination Tony Antonio is back in the house Tony how are you
0: I'm good Randy yourself
1: I'm doing great thank you and Mike Leach is also with us Mike thanks as always Hey,
2: thanks. Uh, thanks, Randy.
1: On today's episode, the Toronto Blue Jays have made quite a splash during the offseason. Offseason's free agency period. Marcus Simeon will be heading to the Jays, as well as the biggest fish in the free agency pool. George Springer signing uh, with Toronto, a six-year mega deal worth $150 million bucks. Tom Brady is heading to another Super Bowl and... Most may agree that he is the greatest in football history, but where does he rank as the greatest athlete of all sports? Also, who may fans may want to see end their championship drought? A number of top-level franchises and federations have gone several decades without winning the Holy Grail. Which team may earn more bandwagon fans? That and a lot more at What's Up podcast and on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So, guys, before we get started, I do want to bring up what took place in Atlanta uh, during the LA Lakers Atlanta Hawks game. Now, I could appreciate if you do want to uh, plead the fifth and say no comment, but uh, LeBron James got into it with uh, a couple of fans, particularly a 25 year old woman who says LeBron made some disparaging remarks to her and her husband, and because of that, was kicked out of the game. Um, She uh, then took to social media and uh, said some rather interesting things uh, about uh, LeBron. Uh, Guys, uh, Mike, how about we start with you? I don't know if you saw her uh, little uh, monologue on social media, but uh, when you first heard about this story I'm assuming that you did what was the first thing that came to your mind
2: (laughs) it's nice to have fans back in the building (laughs) I I don't know I mean I think there's a line that uh you know between players and fans that you know I I think fans have every right particularly if they're paying the unbelievable sums that, that people have to pay to sit courtside, particularly these days um, where, where a ticket to a sporting event is like the Holy Grail itself. I think they have a right to, you know, have a go at players, but if it crosses a line and becomes derogatory, di- you know, seriously disrespectful, then, uh, then by all means, you know, they, they should be kicked out. But uh, I mean, I've I've never had a problem with fans being fans and cheering uh, cheering on their team and uh, you know maybe making some nasty comments towards the opposition. It's it's part of the player fan relationship.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, I uh, Tony. After hearing uh, her rant on Twitter, there uh, she doesn't really seem to be the kind of gal that I would invite for a family dinner. But uh, do you think she uh, should have been kicked out? Oh, I what was said is,
0: is there any reports as to what well, exactly was uh, like fun. there is a rumor that lebron called her the b word like basically get your bitch ass out of here or something like that but i don't know exactly what they said to lebron yeah, apparently the husband has a history of having a lebron rant on it on one of his instagram posts isn't he like isn't he like a reality tv guy
1: I don't know about that. He uh, he's the Real
0: Housewives of Atlanta or something like that. I I thought I heard that that was the connection. And I heard he has he has said some things about LeBron in the past. That's why I was joking around with you, saying knowing LeBron, he's so sensitive. He probably remembered the guy's face and said something to him as he was running by him on the court. But I'm with Mike. I, I I to a you know chirping chirping a player is good. You pay top dollar to sit courtside. Uh, I'd like to know what was said first. It's hard to have an opinion if you don't know exactly what was said. I
1: I, I, I think from my vantage point, and obviously not being there, only seeing what I saw on uh, TV, it, that, it just seemed like it escalated to a point where if it was a, a full house and you have fans – Inches from uh, from the uh, from the sidelines there, with nothing uh, separating between fans and players. I think that it was to the point where uh, she had to go. I mean, I think uh, I'm assuming that both of you saw uh, like an instance with Russell Westbrook when he was in Philly and uh, fan yeah. like, like yeah. gave him uh, both middle fingers there. I like the chirp is one thing, but I mean, if you're drawing attention to yourself and you're not really showing that, uh, that, uh, you know, that you're not really showing that you're trying to deescalate a problem. I mean, you gotta go. Like the thing that gets to me the most is that like, she's claiming to be the victim and everything like this. And I don't know this gal, like I'm not putting it past LeBron to, uh, that he would uh, say, uh, offensive, uh, language or whatever the case is, but this is a 25 year old Instagram model. I mean, like, how can you not do anything but try and do everything you can to attract attention to yourself? Uh, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in
2: here. Language, I don't know if you've been courtside or, or field side or, or, or for, for any, you know, major sporting event. I have. The language that's used on the field of battle is pretty salty. Uh, the language that comes out of the, out of the stands before, you know, you know, in the before times, was pretty salty. I mean, I'm a soccer guy. There's, there's, there's some fairly nasty chants directed at players. I think, I think a player's got to have a little bit more of a thick skin where it crosses the line to me. And we don't know exactly what was said, but if it got into someone's family or into race, or religion, any of that sort of stuff, then that to me is crossing the line. But you know, if you're just saying, hey, LeBron F you blank this blank whatever, like get over it. Let's you know, play play on. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I think please. the
2: play I think the players sometimes
0: <clears throat> excuse me, might escalate it if they make it a bigger deal than it should be, right? Like like that that crazy old fan you with Russell Westbrook he stood up gave him the middle finger double finger you know Westbrook stood there stared at him pointed at him and then all of a sudden he just makes it this huge issue next thing you know
2: guy gets kicked out
0: if there was more
2: said it sorry go on listen like go back to the 90s man Do you think Spike Lee and Reggie Miller exchanged like (laughs) recipes and like Christmas card information you know you know on the sideline at the garden no way. Uh, no way. I mean, sure. there's a little too much sensitivity there. I think, again, we don't know exactly what was said. If, if the guy said something racial or said something about LeBron's family, then that's maybe a little bit different, but I mean, even then I'm sure Spike Lee and, uh, and Reggie uh, ex- exchanged family pleasantries a few times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I yeah. think, I think we know what those lines are, right? I think we, we all could agree where you should not go when it comes to this stuff. And if you do go there, then you deserve to be removed hundred percent. And obviously throwing stuff at them
1: too. Yeah. yeah Probably not man. a good idea. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, TSN feature on Ted Nolan, but uh, with the fans uh, in Quebec uh, when he was uh, coaching the great, the Sioux Greyhounds, I believe, or maybe it was Moncton, but uh there were fans in, um, uh, the visiting team who were doing a tomahawk chop mock- mocking Ted Nolan. And when the entire arena, uh, does that, that I think that that is not forgiven as, uh, as you said, when it comes to race and such, and that, uh, you know, you take a look at what happened in the nineties, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there is, uh, I think that things have definitely evolved. I, I, and I also do think that when you're courtside that the rules are a little different. Uh, I mean, we don't need to go on forever and ever about this, but uh, yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, this young lady's going to have a few more Instagram followers uh, after this little <laughs> escapade, but uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to to some real sports. And uh, we are days away, fellas, from Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Buccaneers and the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which means uh, another year where certain teams did not make the big game. Now, for Mike and Tony, the Super Bowl itself is the same old where uh, Tony's Buffalo Bills and Mike's Cleveland Browns did not make the Super Bowl. However things are definitely changing. Uh, it was, it's been since 1994, since the uh, Browns last won a playoff game. Uh, Tony's uh, Buffalo Bills hadn't uh, won since, I believe, 95. Now both uh, teams have turned their fortunes around. So, uh, Tony, start off with the Bills. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs the previous year, and now they have Stefan Diggs as a viable option to uh, Josh Allen. Uh, like, how excited were you before the start of this season?
0: Well, I didn't expect an AFC championship game appearance, that's for sure. But uh, with the Stefan Diggs addition and John Brown already being there as a the number sliding into a number two option and watching, I, I felt Josh Allen was getting better. I mean, I know a lot of people were not on his side, especially if you go through Buffalo Twitter. Uh, but I, I had a good feeling about him and I like Brian Dable as an offensive coordinator and the things he was doing. So I I thought there was a chance. And obviously with Brady leaving the Patriots, you know, the doors should be open, right? I expected a division. I didn't think they'd AFC championship. No. Um, but I knew they'd have an exciting offense. I expected it. Ironically, their defense, which was really good last year, regressed, which I think, um, was an issue and it's going to be a, an issue they need to fix in the off season. And, uh, they've got to try and find, uh, you know, some sort semblance of a running game, uh, to save Josh's legs a little bit and kind of as you, you saw when the playoffs came along, they weren't able to be as explosive as, as, as they were in the regular season. So just a few adjustments there, but it was exciting. It was a great run, you know, when you're a Bills fan, you take all these great moments when you can because they don't come often, as Mike can attest to as a as a Browns fan.
1: <laughs> and Mike, yeah. I mean, uh, if there is a team that has been snake bitten over the uh, years and decades, it's definitely Cleveland. Do You think about uh, the drive that was uh, uh, against Cleveland, and then the, the that was fumble. 33 years ago. Sure, it was, but uh you know, more recently there was a long list of quarterbacks that have come and gone. You think of Tim Couch. You think of Brady Quinn. You think of even Jeff Garcia, Robert Griffin III. You think of who could forget Johnny Manziel? Uh, but everyone thought differently when Baker Mayfield came uh, to the uh, fold. Uh, then o- Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, signed. Of course, he was uh, hurt for most of the season. Uh, how excited were you? Uh, did you think that maybe uh, things could uh, turn around? I was not optimistic
2: going into this season at all. Uh, and I'll tell you why. They had gone 7-8-1, and one, as you said, in Baker's first year uh, in 2018. Uh, 2019, they made the trade to pick up Odell. Uh, they hired Freddie Kitchens as the coach. That was a mistake. They went 6-10. and 10. Uh, of course, the, the you know that season was highlighted by uh, Miles Garrett getting suspended for the last like six or seven games of the season. I was actually at that game against Pittsburgh in Cleveland on the Thursday night that he hit Rudolph in the head with the helmet. And at the end of that season, after a brutal loss in Week 17 against Cincinnati, Freddie Kitchens was fired. Uh, basically, the moment they touched down back in cleveland from cincinnati they hired kevin stefanski who was the offensive coordinator in minnesota and you know he had some success with kirk cousins that was the big challenge for the new incoming head coach was to try and find a way to get something out of baker mayfield because this guy was deemed to be your franchise quarterback of the future the problem and and i I wasn't a real fan of the hiring of Stefanski at the time and then COVID hit and I, they had the talent. I knew they had the talent to go maybe 10 and six with a new head coach installing his offense, maybe eight and eight. Then you add the fact that there were no in-person meetings, no OTAs, no mini camps. They did not get on the field together for the first time until the opening of training camp. They went to Baltimore in week one and they got destroyed, I think 38 to 7. and it looked like my worst fears were going to uh, play themselves play itself out. Then they played Cincinnati four days later at Cleveland in the home opener on Thursday Night football and f- were, were able to eke out a win in that game against Joe Burrow. And it, it sort of took off from there. They, they had, you know, that game in Dallas where they put up 49 points. Odell had the big end around that basically put that game away. They even scored two points on a single point, point after try in that game. And, you know, going into the season, no, I, I didn't have any, any high expectations for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, obviously, they far exceeded uh, what I had hoped for. So it was a fun year.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, it seems that they do have uh, the right pieces. When you think about uh, OBJ, you think about Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know, do they have the right? Oh, team I'll stop now? you right
2: there, Randy. There are a lot of there are a lot of Cleveland Browns fans who think that football team is better off without OBJ than with him, that, because that's... Baker was Baker was arguably better, and I'm not in that camp. I think they are better with OBJ, but okay. Baker's statistically was much better once he didn't have to worry himself about finding ways to get OBJ the ball. Rashard Higgins, who has a great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, got involved in the offense a lot more than uh, than he was, certainly in 2019. He was almost cast off in 2019. But before OG, OBJ went down in that game against Cincinnati uh, in week seven, basically... Baker was maybe trying to force the ball to OBJ a little bit too much. And without OBJ there, it, it allowed Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples Jones and a couple of other guys to get a little bit more involved, gave Baker a little bit more freedom to survey the field.
1: And, but uh, so to that, and uh, whether uh, the team improved uh, coincidentally or not coincidentally when uh, Beckham got uh, hurt, but if you do have that star level player, who does buy into the program, who uh, is happy to be in a town like Cleveland. It just seems to me that it is uh, a step in the right direction where you could perhaps attract more uh, free agents to the dog pound. Uh, Like I am surprised that I, maybe uh, he didn't uh, provide uh, any sort of uh, stats. And if he, if he wasn't a leader on the uh, field there, but uh, if he is into the program, then you know he does seem to be a kind of guy that uh, Cleveland can definitely market around and uh, get uh, get more people into uh, into. Marketing's Cleveland. not a problem. <laughs> Marketing's not a problem. The Cleveland Browns, uh, you know,
2: the Cleveland Browns are to Cleveland what the Toronto Maple Leafs are to Toronto. Sure. Or the Buffalo Bills are to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. They the, mm-hmm. the the number of fans and and this is something we're not old enough to remember a time when the Cleveland Browns were great. They're coming into their 75th anniversary season. They started in 1946. Paul Brown was the coach. They had Jim Brown, Otto Graham. They won championships. They were a dominant team in the NFL up until about 1964. when And it was around Jim Brown's retirement that they started to fall off. They had those teams, in the late 70s, early 80s, the cardiac kids with with Brian Stipe and Webster Slaughter. And then you go into the 80s with Bernie Kosar. You know, you, you, you've got the, you know, they got to the AFC championship games, the drive, the fumble, those games that you referenced earlier on. Yep. The Browns have a huge, huge fan base. Marketing's not the problem. The problem is just they haven't put, they haven't had been able to put together a team. They haven't found a franchise quarterback until now them, but they, they haven't had good coaching. They haven't had good management. Th- those have been the problems. And, and as far as the team goes right now, OBJ is not the leader of that. He's not even the leader of those wide receivers. Mm-hmm. That's that is Jarvis Landry Jarvis Landry. If you need a play made, you go to Jarvis Landry. Um, It doesn't have, it's not going to be a big over the top play. That's where OBJ gets the, the highlight reel stuff, the big 45, 50 yard touchdowns for, for Jarvis Landry. It's like, if you need 10 yards, he'll get 11. And then you add Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt to the mix. They have the best running back room in, in the NFL. And it's not even close. Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb is probably underrated as a, as a running back because he has Kareem hunt there to carry the ball as well. If he was like a Derrick Henry or a Christian McCaffrey, where he's the sole running back option, he'd be running for two thousand yards. Yeah.
0: So that. Sorry, can I jump in? I want to ask because I was going to ask him about OBJ. Um, yeah. Are you concerned with him coming mm. back? Then.
2: No. No. Okay. No. I think. I think. Here's the thing. I think. As long as he is a complementary part of the offense and not the focal point of the offense, they're good. Is he capable he of being okay with that? the focal point of the offense, they should be a run first team. With with Chubb, I mean, Chubb, Chubb rushed for like 11 1,200 yards. <clears throat> he missed four games. He probably probably could have put up over 1,500 yards, and Hunt had like eight, eight, nine hundred yards on the ground as well. So they had to split the carries a lot. Um, if Chubb plays a full season and Hunt's not there, he's over twelve two thousand yards easily. The so OBJ OBJ again. If he's if he's a cog in the offense, then that's great. And he, everything you hear from inside the locker room is that he's a team guy. A mm-hmm. lot of the stuff that's said about him is kind of overblown. He does have a big personality. He does have an Instagram presence and that sort of thing, but as a teammate, his teammates love him. Yeah,
0: he, he's a wide receiver, right? And yes. most of them, most of them have that attitude, and and the successful ones probably can't be successful without having that chip on their shoulder. I guess the only concern is the, the question I'm asking is, will he be a willing participant to be, you know, tugging along that ship? Then. You know, at what point does it get too much for him?
1: Like, where as, a sec- he's at- like as a secondary role? I, I, is it, it, yeah. Is he a willing
0: participant?
2: And here, here's the thing. He kind of has to. He doesn't have a whole lot of choice. Agreed. Because yeah. his trade value actually is very low right now. Um, you would not get probably – you probably wouldn't get a third, maybe even a fourth rounder for him. Because he hasn't had a great season since 2014. He's struggled with injuries the last couple of years. At this point, he's become a bit damaged goods. Um, so, yeah, he's not hes not going to get them a whole lot on the trade market.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, to that, uh, I mean, a name is still a name. And, uh, you know, he's been uh, hurt for uh, the majority of the season, and it uh, it is cool to see. Now, I'm not uh, as big a football fan as uh, as most people, especially the two of yourselves. But uh, yeah, it is uh, it is really cool to see uh, such. Uh, I mean, Buffalo and Cleveland, especially two uh, cities that are uh, close to where we live, uh, near Toronto, uh, to see them uh, contend there, for. There the are Super two Bowl. teams that closely
2: mirror each other, too.
1: Sure. Because
2: yeah. sure, uh, Tony, as you said you know, Buffalo on offense, not a lot of problems there. In fact, Baker and Baker, Allen is probably where Baker would be if Baker hadn't had four head coaches and three if he different had, offensive exactly. coordinators at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, both teams are offensively explosive. Both teams struggled on defense. Uh, Buffalo's defense was a lot better than Cleveland's. Cleveland's hmm. defense this year, and that's the big you know, the, the big thing for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski to do over the course of this offseason and through the draft is shore up that defense. They need, they need a defensive end. They need a linebacker. They need at least one, maybe two linebackers. You know, they need help at the corners because you don't know whether Denzel Ward can stay healthy. Reedy Williams doesn't look like he can stay healthy. And they've got problems at safety, too. Like that, that defense probably about two or three years away from being good. Mm.
1: so uh i could appreciate that uh, both you guys are loyal to your squads and i can understand if you don't want to stray from uh beyond them but uh I, I have to ask who do you think which team do you think winning the super bowl would be a bigger story so you have the the uh the bad luck that the Cleveland Browns have had, obviously their original franchise moved to Baltimore where they won Super Bowls. Buffalo had, uh, of course, the uh, four Super Bowl appearances in the 90s, which they didn't win. Um, jump out there, anybody. Who do you think, uh, for <laughs> well, the for the sake of I'm the a, league? For I'm assuming
0: uh, I'm assuming I'm going to say Buffalo and <laughs> Mike's going to say Cleveland, but, you know, it, biased. For me, the Bills. I think there's a genuine love for that fan base and like for the spirit of the town. And you know, when you're famous for losing four Super Bowls in a row, I think you want to see them finally win one. I'm guessing. You know, I know I do, but I'm I'm speaking from a fan perspective. But either way you go, I mean, like Mike said, it's very similar the setup between Cleveland and Buffalo and the love they have for their team. It's it's a religion, so I don't think you could go wrong with either story.
2: Uh, both Kevin Stefanski and Sean McDermott are Andy Reid proteges, so there you go. Uh, I mean, I think I, I think it's very similar because they're very similar cities.
1: They're yeah. cities
2: mm-hmm. that time has kind of passed them by, and now they're <laughs> kind of in. Positions where they have to reinvent them. No, I, I'm, I'm being very serious. <clears throat> Old T, they're Rust Belt cities. They're cities that were in their heyday in the 50s and 60s. But by the time the 70s rolled on into the 80s, they started to fall apart a bit. Um, you, know, you know, Buffalo fans, what they did when, uh, you know, for I think it was Carson Palmer or... Uh, Andy Dalton, sorry, Andy Dalton. Um, when um, when they made the playoffs, the first time there. yeah, I mean, donating millions to his to his charity. Cleveland, they win a playoff game, and people are lighting fires and letting off fireworks. I have a friend who actually um, a TFC um, acquaintance who lives in Cleveland, actually, and he sent me a video after they beat the Steelers. In the wild card game, and there's fireworks going off all over the city. It they're two cities, two fan bases that are extremely passionate. They are the big teams in those cities. I I mean, I know the Sabers are in are in Buffalo. Oh, it doesn't. I don't think it comes close. It's not. It's not close. And it's the same thing with the Cavs. It's the same thing with the Cavs and with the um, with the tribe. You know they got they got a million people out to the uh, to the parade in in Cleveland when the Cavs won. Sure, it'd be four million or five million um, sure. if the Browns win the Super Bowl. I'd go down there. You know, if yeah. I get the time <laughs> off work,
1: I'd go down there. Yeah, uh, and, and, definitely, you definitely deserve that. That's for sure.
0: And and here's another thing for me. I don't know how you feel, Mike, but being in Buffalo, like you know that it's not the prettiest place to look at by any stretch of the imagination. You hear all the You know the boring, unoriginal cracks that the city takes. But when I'm there, I love being there. Oh yeah, it feels like home. I love being around those people. I love just being surrounded by, you know, the the miles and miles of cars and the parking lots and just the the trees. It just the roads, the American flags that are lined up along, you know, in front of every house. There is something about being there that i just it i feel i know it sounds corny but i feel
2: home yeah no no i i, I it, first energy stadium is like my happy place like it really <laughs> like you know i i show up 3 hours before the game my kids have gotten really into it we 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 do the tailgate in the muni lot cleveland uh, you know it's it is the same it's it's not the prettiest place in the world but there is a there's a character to it. There's a grit. And it's, I, I, I love it there. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to live there, but I love it when I'm there. I have such a good time when I'm there win or lose. Um, yeah. There, there's a, there's definitely a sense of community um, when you're there amongst all of the fans, you know, 60, 70,000 fans you know, heading into the game and, and, you know, cheering on the Browns. It was great at the Steelers game last year because there were a fair number of Steelers fans there as well because the cities are only about 100 miles apart. It's actually closer to uh, – Pittsburgh's closer to Cleveland than than
1: Buffalo Philly. is.
2: But, yeah.
1: Mike, have you been to uh, Cleveland Stadium before they moved to their current park? No. No. You never been there. No, I, because, I, I, I sorry,
2: never, I never went to municipal stadium. Uh, in fact, the new stadium is on the site of the old stadium.
1: Okay. Cause I was, uh, I, I had a chat with Tony, uh, the other day and, uh, you know, well, we were talking about Skydome now, obviously this Skydome doesn't really have much appeal and comfort and it doesn't have that cozy sort of feel, but yeah, you think about, uh, new era field in Buffalo uh and the history and how uh intimate that stadium is and I I haven't been to um uh, to uh first energy but you know uh, to me it uh you got that sense with uh progressive field where the Indians play and PNC Park also now I know those two are new stadiums my point is is that uh those stadiums with the the history that it had I wondered if uh First energy, if uh, you were able to compare um, Cleveland Stadium to um, uh, First Energy.
2: Yeah, I mean, First Energy Stadium. Uh, I mean, it's, I've been, I've actually been in Bills Stadium as well. I've been to a Bills game there. Uh, and it's, it's a nice, they're both, I mean, they're, they're, they're big football stadiums, but they don't feel huge, um, both of them. Uh, you, you know, comparisons to the old uh, municipal stadium. Uh, they don't paint the grass anymore because that that used to be, like, they the the grass basically was not grass; it was pretty much mud by December because they had the baseball infield too, right? And they couldn't right. they couldn't really grow grass on it, right? So basically, they just painted it green, um, and it was you know, by all accounts, it had certainly a lot of ghosts and it had, you know, it had seen a fair number of chance The Browns' last championship in 64 was a 27-0 win over the Baltimore Colts um, Hmm. at Cleveland Stadium. Um, And that, you know, until the Cavs won in, what was it, 2016? Yep. That was the last championship that Cleveland had because the Tribe haven't won since 48. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have fond memories of municipal stadium, but then the new one is a lot better for
1: sure. And I, I do appreciate how you subtly corrected me because it's not new era field anymore. It is bill stadium. So mm-hmm. I guess, uh, they are looking for a, a sponsor. It's hard to keep track of these stadium names. I mean, you know, just call it one name and I, I get there, you get money from, uh, naming rights, but.
2: I still call it Rich Stadium.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, you, perfect. And That's you know right. what, how many people call it still call it SkyDome. So, but anyway, we Unless digress. you
0: work for Rogers, you shouldn't yeah. call it
1: Sky. <laughs> Which I do and I call it Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Good
0: employee. <laughs> so, actually um, so just quickly, sorry. it's actually Mike uh Andy McNamara, and Bob McCallum are two other Cleveland Brown fans who are Yeah, I know. Pers- I, I, personalities, I, 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 I. yeah. Within
2: Toronto. Yeah, I, I remember when I walked in the first time with McCowan and I was wearing my Cleveland Browns hat. And I think he kind of looked at me and sneered and
1: said, What's wrong with you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 It sounds like him for sure. Uh, So, you know, as uh, teams like the Bills and the Browns uh, are starting to emerge as uh, championship contenders, you saw the new kid on the block winning the NBA title, of course, that being the Toronto Raptors in their first uh, finals appearance. They won the uh, championship in 2019. There are a number of teams uh, who are quite storied as a franchise, but uh, have yet to have not won a championship in a really long time. I mean, you think about the New York Knicks. You think about uh, uh, Mike's Cleveland Browns and uh, Tony's Buffalo Bills. How about the Detroit Lions? I mean, here's a team that is always playing on Thanksgiving uh, Day. They haven't won uh, anything in forever. And how about uh, a country like England not winning the World Cup in uh, since 1966? Have, have you thought about it? I mean, uh, which sports drought do you think would be a bigger story if said team won the championship? Uh, Tony, how about to you first?
0: Oh, it depends on from what perspective you look at. I think on a North American stage, a Knicks, the Knicks winning the championship, I think it would create a huge story from a love and hate scenario, similar, similar to how Canada would react to the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup. Like – there will probably be equally as um, an equal amount of people who don't like it than those who do like it type of thing. But globally, uh, there's no question if England wins the world cup because soccer is so big and the world cup is what it is.
2: The, the big story has to be England winning the world cup. Yeah, it's England. No, no question. And And, and not just the length of time and the, sort of, I guess, storied nature of football in in England. England is one of those highly polarizing footballing nations. You either love them or you hate them. Mm -hmm. And that's why England winning a World Cup would be, and it's a global story. I mean, you can't compare, you cannot compare any club. And I know the NFL outside of the premier league is probably the most followed league in the world. Club sports just don't compare to a global competition where we're not talking about millions of viewers. We're talking billions. Sure. You know, well in excess of a billion people globally watch the world cup final for England to win the world cup would just be, it'd be something else for sure.
1: Well, and uh, actually true story that uh, I actually uh, uh, during the days of uh, when I did work with Mike and uh, when Tony and I were in school together, I had a Cristiano Ronaldo Portugal jersey and when England played Portugal in the 06 World Cup. A friend of mine uh, said that a bunch of people were going to the bar. I had no idea it was a uh, England supporter bar. And I swear to God, there were all of these fans with English gear looking at me, looking like they were going to rip my head off. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, to your point, I definitely uh, when it comes to uh, country versus club, I mean, how can you compare uh, one versus the other? And uh, England winning the World Cup is definitely one thing I think with respect to uh, the the teams you support when the New York, when, if the New York Knicks win the uh, NBA championship, I mean, if there is a, I mean, you think about the Mecca that is Madison square garden, you think about Rucker park and uh, the history of uh, New York, not only as a city, but the the Knicks as a franchise, uh, you know, I mean, I I, I mean, is, is uh, New York, is uh, New York a Knicks town? Is it a Yankees town? I think those Mets fans and Yankee fans would come together and support the Knicks. Uh the Nets are not a thing in New York. No, 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 not the Nets. No, the net. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, uh, so the Knicks. Uh, I think that would be uh, uh, the biggest club to oh, especially easily North America easily yeah, to win the uh, to win the championship. So uh guys, uh, why don't we go back to uh, the gridiron and uh, I'm assuming to Tony chagrin, uh, Tom Brady is making his 10th Super Bowl appearance. I think it'd be fair to say that it'd be really difficult to challenge Brady as the best in football. I mean, you two are more versed. maybe you uh, have uh, a different opinion on uh, whether uh, Brady or somebody else is the uh, greatest in that sport, but particular to Brady, A lot of people think that he is the greatest of all time, especially in football. Where does he rank in terms of other greats in other sports? You think of Michael Jordan. You think of Wayne Gretzky. uh, You think of Tiger Woods and Usain Bolt. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, where do you think, I mean, who do you think is the greatest athlete in their sport?
2: uh first i'll qualify this by saying i think it's a bit of an apples and oranges sure. conversation because you're talking sure. about different sports um so I, I think you can look at the greatest of all time in each sport and even comparing greatest of all time in in each sport is difficult when you talk about how much games have changed over the course of of generations, I mean, you you ask my 11 year old son, Otto Graham's the greatest football player to ever play. <laughs> you trained uh, him well. <laughs> yeah, well, it, uh, he and I are not in agreement on that. Um, I, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest NFL player of all time. Right. To me, probably Lewis Hamilton is interesting because I never thought. I grew up watching Michael Schumacher. I never thought anyone would be greater than Michael Schumacher. Lewis Hamilton and people will say, oh, it's a car. That was the old argument in 97 when Villeneuve won the Marshall. Larry Walker lost to a car. It's not just that. You have to be able to drive the car. You have to be able to know what the limitations of the car are there's so many factors involved, all of, doing all of this at 200 miles an hour.
1: I think. I the, think. Sorry, uh, if I could jump in for a quick second, I, I think that there is something about could Schumacher or Hamilton do it in a different car because, uh, from my perspective, there's only so many cars and so many teams who make the podium. Sure, and-
2: but drop drop Tom Brady onto the Cleveland Browns. How many Super Bowls does he have? Valid. So completely valid. It's, 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 it, they're, they're team sports and auto racing is a team sport as well. Um, yeah. I, 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 I get your argument. I will also counter that a lot of guys have driven the same car or some guys in 2019, 2018 or 2019, the Ferrari was a superior car to, to the Mercedes. Hamilton still won the championship because he was able to produce a, a level of consistency that neither Ferrari driver nor his teammates um, or the Red Bulls, frankly, could, could match. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, the, the real, I, I, as I said, um, you can, you can talk about the car. It is a team sport. And if you, if you're going to say Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or whatever, well, they don't get to where they are by themselves. They need T te- they need the supporting cast around them. Right. In order to win the number of titles that they win.
1: Tony.
0: Uh, you know, the goat argument for me <clears throat> has always been a tough one. Cause I tr- like, I always, because within reason, I always believe that it's, Based, it's an argument based on the eye of the beholder. What you watched growing up, who you think is the greatest of all time, right? Like Wayne Gretzky is the first name that pops up in hockey all the time. Sure. You know who I think the greatest hockey player? Is. <laughs> but but I've seen Holliday. him play. I've seen him play. He's the second. <laughs> you know Mario. Mario is the best player I've ever seen play the game of hockey. But um, Tom Brady was already there. I mean. Whatever's happening to Tom Brady right now, it's kind of like putting sprinkles on top of that beautiful Sunday. I mean, he put himself in that spot a long time ago. Um, Usain Bolt, for me, I mean, his dominance in his sport, track and field, which is not something that is easy to dominate over, what, three Olympics now? Four, I I? think. Didn't he start in – Like, that's crazy right? Like for his sport to, to be as dominant as he was. Um, I'm going to say Michael Jordan, still the six and O and finals for me is always an impressive thing and always will be. Uh, but again, it's, it's a conversation. You can throw so many different names into the mix when you talk about, you know, greatest of all time. We had that little podcast that short one on Diego Maradona, who mm-hmm. for me, for my money, was was money he was money it wasn't a long one wasn't a long time but man when he was when when he was at his peak he, he dominated
2: he was also great with his hands
0: <laughs>
2: you're an Englishman. Eh? yeah <laughs>
1: i am very much so <laughs> and uh i i guess uh uh an argument against uh brady and gretzky is that their sport doesn't transcend globally the way basketball does and uh, uh track and field even golf to a degree i think to me uh uh it's it's usain bolt i mean for how dominant he was in the grandest stage uh for any sport uh essentially being the olympics uh and uh the the uh the charisma that he had and uh as well i think that uh, that is included uh tom brady is so dominant and uh, obviously gretzky like uh he has more assists than uh anybody else has in points like uh, it, it, I, michael jordan look at what he has done um not only for basketball but for just athletes in general uh But uh, to me, and it's, uh, yeah, it is, uh, as Mike said, uh, apples and oranges comparison, but uh, it's always a great chat to have. So uh, finally guys, uh, uh, Hey, how about talk a little baseball? I mean, it has been a while since uh, Canada's team has played a game uh, north of the 49th, but uh, they have made a really big splash in free agency signing both uh, George Springer and Marcus Simeon. So Uh, Simeon uh, uh, had a a great 2019. He was considered for AL MVP. Uh, George Springer, he uh, was a three-time All-Star. He is a World Series MVP, won the series with uh, the Astros, of course, with an asterisk. Tony, how surprised were you uh, with these signings? Uh, I mean, this uh, Toronto uh, seemed to have uh, done quite well well for the love of god they were in the mix with every free
0: agent that was available out there according to all reports so i'm glad they managed to land a couple of guys but yeah this they're big pickups i still think they're a question mark though i mean they've they have improved defensively for sure but i'm looking at the guys within the core it's probably time for them to take a step up i would think um I'll be very honest with you. I didn't watch much of this previous season, mm-hmm. but, you know, the questions are, is the pitching going to be good enough? Uh, is Vladdy Jr. ready to arrive and be a consistent performer? Uh, apparently he's lost a ton of weight again. Um, hopefully he stopped having children. And what kind of manager is uh, Charlie Montoyo? I, I've heard a lot of detractors of him and, and how his management style is. Um, so I think there's still question marks, but the signings are absolutely positive. I mean, there's no question about it when you're able to land big name guys, but you know, bringing in a shortstop like Simeon, what does that say about Bo Um, Or is it just, are these guys can move throughout the infield and give them different options and different looks on different games Um there's a lot that remains to be seen by this Blue Jay team as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, I mean, you have to be excited about
1: these pickups. And uh, Mike, uh, I guess uh, to that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and Tony obviously you could chime in also Springer. uh, That's quite a commitment with six years at 150 million and uh, who knows what uh, uh, assistance uh, he did get in that uh, world series years, especially with uh, the, Uh, cheating that apparently had that had uh, taken place Uh, you know with uh, Mike with the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees in the same division of course there's uncertainty of where Toronto is exactly going to be playing are they going back to Buffalo why why Uh, do you from what I've heard they're going to Dineen is it uh, to Florida are they going to uh, ramp up now is that even a good idea I mean uh Florida in July is like Toronto in February or Saskatchewan in February. I mean, it doesn't really, uh, doesn't really seem to, uh, weather friendly. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't. Yeah. Do I, I don't what? have choices.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I think there, there aren't, aren't a ton of choices right now. Well, so
1: between you Dunedin take what and you Buffalo. can get. Between Dunedin and Buffalo, fellas, I don't know about you, but I'd probably go with Buffalo.
0: So so the fact that they managed to land a couple of free agents with that uncertainty is also a positive thing too because that might have stunted them from getting a couple of more
2: guys, right, with the uncertainty of where they're going to be playing. Yes, and that's like – I mean, being able to start and land those free agents is a big deal. Now, those guys are showing up for the money. Let's not sure. – let, let's not uh, sugar things here. Dunedin's probably – Better option in terms of facilities because it is a major league spring training complex. Uh the, the facilities will be up to more of a major league standard. They if you if you watched much of the Jays last year, when they moved to Salem Field, they had to do a lot of retrofitting right. of that stadium because it simply wasn't up to Major League standards um, in any way, shape, or form. They had to put a tent out and right out beyond the right field fence. And that was the visitor's clubhouse because the clubhouse a wasn't the, the home clubhouse a wasn't big enough to begin with and B with COVID protocols. They needed even more space. They had, they uh, think they put their gym up on the concourse, you know, so you're looking at the hot dog stand while you're doing bench presses and curls and all that stuff. I think Deneen's probably the better bet in terms of facilities. Um, but again, the uncertainty for them to land those guys, I mean, and that, that would have been a detractor. They were in on everyone. Mm-hmm. Some guys may have even taken a little less money to go to the Mets or, you know, wherever else, uh, because they didn't want to, they don't don't want their lives in limbo. You know, forget dealing with exchange rates and customs in normal times. I think you're seeing, we saw it with Toronto FC. The Jays in Buffalo were were okay and they were able to get to the playoffs. Um, but I think you're seeing it with the Raptors also in, in Tampa. Being away from home really kind of sucks. It's huge. It's not, it's not awesome. I know it was not awesome for Toronto FC. For them to be able to land those guys, kudos to um, Ross Atkins and uh, Mark Shapiro for for being able to get that business done. Whether it works out on the field, I think, Tony, I think you've got, you you hit on some key points. Like, where are you going to move Bichette? Because Bichette defensively at times last year was a liability. Uh, His bat, certainly you can't complain about at all you know, what happens with Vlad? Is he going to be an everyday first baseman or will he transition to more of a DH? They can hit the ball, but can they catch it? And you also said pitching. I'm not entirely certain that this pitching staff is as good as some people think that it is.
1: Yeah. And uh, the thing about uh, Montoya as well is that he just uh, seems to be in love with uh the uh, analytics and the uh, the new way of baseball. That uh, you know, is he going to uh, go from his gut, or is he going to go from his uh, what uh, the stats read out? And uh, that is uh, it remains to be seen how uh, Toronto does uh, have. Uh, I mean, of course, last year they made a big splash with signing Hunjin Ryu, but uh, you know. I I guess with the signings uh, that were just recently made, are you surprised, Mike, that uh, Simeon signed for just a year? Uh, In this
2: climate with, like, who knows what's going to happen. I, you know, I, I think there may not be as much money on the table now as some guys think there might be in coming years because of what, COVID-19 did to did to these leagues did to these teams and the Blue Jays played no home games last year. Um, Pretty much every team played to no fans. Some, I think they they had started allowing some fans during the playoffs. Um, But you take away that ticket revenue and all of the ancillary and uh, revenue that comes along with that—the hot dogs, the beer, the parking, the merchandise—all of that stuff. They lost a boatload of money. I know, man. Major League Soccer is is pretty small potatoes compared to MLB, NFL, and the NBA. They lost a billion dollars last year. Sure. Like the, the I was on the commissioner's state of the state of the league at the, you know, during the MLS um, Cup week. And he was asked how much they lost this year. And he said it was around a billion dollars. All of these leagues are coming to a reckoning with maybe the exception of the NFL, because the NFL is, I mean, without, without opening a stadium to any fans. And we know some teams open to a lot of fans. You're a bills fan, Tony. There weren't sixteen thousand people in Kansas City for that AFC Championship game. <laughs> that was more like thirty. Look, look and like oh, there yeah. was more. Yeah, oh, at yeah. least yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I know Jerry Jones opened up to about forty thousand fans for the last few games of the season. Oh, did he go that high? I didn't. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> they were nearly half capacity. Nice. Um, <laughs> Cleveland had twelve thousand for, for pretty much every game. You no, know, Buffalo didn't have any fans until the playoffs. The playoffs, yeah. The NFL, you don't even have to open the doors and every team makes money.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, the NBA's got a pretty lucrative TV deal, as does Major League ba- while well, Major League Baseball is all in their regional television yeah. deals. Right. But MLS doesn't have that. They rely on getting people through the doors and they didn't do that this year. And because of that, who knows whether they start their season on time because it, it could be a fairly, it could be, a, it could be a doomsday scenario where the players just say we're not going to, well, the players are not going to accept the terms of what the owners are offering and the owners will say, fine, we'll just keep you locked out. It's cheaper to not play.
1: Yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You would think that there are teams out there, uh, you know, who uh, may lose less money if they just uh, sat out. A, a I think the
0: NHL up. is there too. Right, Mike?
2: I mean, it's cheaper Basically, for them yeah. to not play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean,
2: the, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and, and the NFL have fairly good TV agreements where they they lose money. Not the NFL, but the other leagues do. They lose money, but not nearly as much. As long as they play and put their games on TV. Right. Whereas the NHL and, and Major League Soccer, who are more gate-driven leagues, tough times ahead.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Quickly, where do you guys think the Jays will finish for the 21 season? Oh, I guess I'll
2: start. Yeah, go, go ahead.
0: ahead, Mike. No, no, you can go, Mike.
2: Uh, they'll make a wild card. I don't think they'll win the division. I think the Yankees are too good, but I think they'll get I think they're talking about, again, seven teams per per league making the playoffs. I think they can be in the top seven again.
1: You think the uh, Jays are playoff bound, Tony?
0: I believe so, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the uncertainty of not playing at home and uh, – that's the only thing that that bothers me how are they going to handle that but they went through it last year and they did fine but that was i mean i'm assuming the season is going to be longer than 60 games this year right yeah Uh, yeah. as far as we know so we'll see how that goes but i think a wild card spot for the jays as well
1: yeah it uh definitely sounds uh like they definitely have the uh, pieces especially offensively to uh to make it to uh, postseason baseball guys. Uh, this was a treat, uh, as always, it's always great talking sports and, uh, always appreciate, uh, you guys, uh, spending some time with me, uh, Tony and Tony, you and Mike Leach really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much, Bye. Randy. Thank you. We'll be back right after this. Just before we say goodbye, I wanted to quickly acknowledge the one year passing of Kobe Bryant. It was one of those moments where you remember where you were when you heard the news. And I spoke about this a couple of months ago, a couple of months after the incident. And I don't need to remind you of how great a player Kobe Bryant was. But recently I came to learn of a childhood classmate of mine who passed away suddenly, who was my age. That and with some unfortunate news within my immediate family, I just wanted to wish and hope that you and yours are doing well and keeping safe. Um, if you're able to go to bed every night and say you finished everything you set out to do, then kudos to you. But if you do have a void to fill, I hope you do everything you can to complete what you aspire to complete. More and more, I'm reminded to take each day as an opportunity and that tomorrow is a gift, not a guarantee. For Tony Antonio and Mike Leach and, of course, the Abatsi Project, Mike Abatsidis, who you hear in the background, I'm Randy Cure, this is What's Up The Sports Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.